Life is hectic, so wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with Factor's chef-crafted and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 options a week, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more, they've got a variety that fits your lifestyle. Factor has restaurant-quality meals ready to heat and eat in just two minutes. They also have various easy options for the entire day, from breakfast to midday bites, smoothies, and more. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is a nutritious and delicious experience, and it won't break the bank. You can customize your meals by choosing 6 to 18 per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule deliveries anytime to fit your schedule. Factor meals are 100% hassle-free, giving you more time for what matters. Head to factormeals.com slash otherside50 and use the code otherside50 to get 50% off. That's code otherside50 at factormeals.com for 50% off your delicious, hassle-free meals. Hello, and welcome to our podcast, The Other Side NDE, where we talk about the fascinating phenomena of near-death experiences. These are more than just close calls. These are first-hand accounts of what people experienced dying, leaving the body, exploring another realm, and then returning to their body in order to share that experience with you. Every person that we interview, and many of us listeners, believe these accounts to be undeniably true experiences people had on the other side. If you enjoy listening to stories like these, make sure to check out our YouTube channel, The Other Side NDE, where we post two to three videos every week of people sharing their NDE stories. Hi, my name's Pauline Glamachek, and in 1977, I had one of a number of near-death experiences. I was 11 years old at the time, and we were on a family picnic in the Mount Macedon Ranges, and we were with a group of older boys. I was lagging behind as we were running down this hill and the impetus of the speed caused me to lose control and my foot tripped on a rock and I overcorrected. Instead of falling forward, I flung myself back and scrunched my eyes anticipating to feel blow to my head, my body crashing but I didn't feel anything. I uh, unscrunched my eyes and relaxed and was in darkness and the next thing I knew I was outside of my body. I glanced back at my body, but I was feeling too good to be that concerned with the thing I saw down there. I didn't have a strong connection to it. It was just a precursory glance because what I saw next overtook all of my focus and I was just experiencing the most beautiful vista of a particularly stunning area of the southeastern part of Australia called uh, the Mount Macedon Ranges. Now, it's known as a particularly spiritual place. It's acknowledged as such by huge crucifix, as a memorial to 
fallen Anzacs. And it's also acknowledged by the First Peoples, the Aboriginal people of the area. It's a sacred place for them as well. It's extraordinarily beautiful. And while I was enjoying the view, and I had quite a view that, a vision that I didn't ever experience in my life, while I was enjoying that, I was being drawn up very, very quickly through the sky, but I was unperturbed. I was feeling light and I wasn't weighed down with anxiety or any kind of worry. I was just in a state of bliss until I hit this bank of clouds and then I felt cold. And as I traveled through, I felt trepidation because I was no longer enchanted by the view. I was in a whiteout. So I had me out of the moment and instantly wondering how far am I going to go because very quickly I was out of the stratosphere and into just on the edge towards space. And just as I thought, wondered how far I was going to float, keep floating, keep traveling, this black portal appeared, a black hole, and it basically vacuumed me into it. Briefly I was in blackness, but soon enough as I traveled and at a very, very fast rate, I saw white of stars just streaming past and so it soon enough it turned into a grayness almost. I looked up and saw this gold light and as I approached the gold light and I began to experience it, I remembered. I had a sense of remembering that I'd been here before and the more I was immersed deeper into the light, the more this sense of homecoming was upon me and I was cradled in this gold energy that was personal, wise, orderly, sensuously like velvet and honey and just beyond words but it was the experience of love like we don't have here. It was an immersion of of love that had wisdom and that communicated and that held me and it was just beautiful. It answered all of my questions. It spoke to me. I knew that I belonged there. I belonged to it. But it wasn't an it. It was personal. So as I was growing accustomed to being immersed in this energy, this light, I um, looked down. I realized that I was above these people who were looking up at me and I traveled down to them and they greeted me. It was like a homecoming as though they were expecting me and very excited that I was there. And yeah, they were just, I felt very important and very loved and known, recognized and just very strange. But 
then I started to take in my surroundings and I looked around and I saw this thick wall and I saw this arch with wooden doors and this big wall and but I could see over the wall and over the wall I could see rolling hills that were just this green that was alive and everything seemed to be bright but golden had a bright golden quality that was just more light than energy and it was just so alive and I could see children playing and these hills and the sky and as I looked into the sky I saw this orb and I thought oh this is the sun here this is the sun here I realized at that point obviously that I was in a different realm and I thought that I was on a different planet and soon enough I realized that the sun was actually traveling towards me and when I realized that and looked into it I saw it had a white center and as I saw that it had a white center I could see the shape of a man or the shape of a figure and as it came closer I saw that it was the shape of a man and the man was in a white robe and when he emerged from the light I could see that it was a man in a white robe with long shoulder-length hair and chiseled face and his eyes were shining and he was shining he was broad and majestic looking and inside of myself I recognized the power in him and I just said to myself is that Jesus Christ he's really real and as soon as I said that he projected this chuckle into me that filled me with delight. And as I experienced his delight, I felt excruciatingly embarrassed that he could treat my mind and I could not only read his mind, but I could feel his feelings. It's more than just knowing what the other person's thinking or saying to themselves. It was an exchange that was an experiential, you know, what he was experiencing, I could experience, and what I experienced, he experienced. It was very profound. And I remember in that flash, that very brief recognition, a whole lot of information was given to me about who I was in his story and, and my ancestors and that I was part of his tribe and all of this information and it was overwhelming and I just fell to his feet and, and acknowledged that he was my God. And at that point as an 11 year old, I had no interest in the Bible. I'd never read the verse, every knee shall bow. But here I was just flat at his feet. And I remember I was crying and asking him to forgive me that I didn't believe in him. And he sent this comfort to me. I can't remember that he said anything, but I just had the courage to collect myself and start to lift my head. And as I did, I saw this gold circle on his foot. And uh, it was his right foot because it was to my left. As I saw this golden circle, I realized that crucifixion was real and as I realized this all sort of happens in one instantaneous moment and 
this gold light just flashed at me and I was actually at ground level like I was on the cobblestones on the flagstones and he was walking on the way of the cross and I just saw him um, unrecognisable really completely dehumanised his dignity was completely stripped I just saw he was sweating blood and his sweat and blood were just dripping from the flagstone in front of me and I was mortified and withdrew from that image whether he withdrew me I don't know I can't say but when I withdrew from that image I just looked up at him and said does it still hurt like a child you know does it still hurt it was uh, unfathomable that level of pain and again I not only was an agnostic and wasn't sure that Jesus was real I was so guilt-ridden and not really understanding what the crucifix represented or what the crucifixion was as a child I preferred not to consider that level of suffering so it was very shocking to me and that's all that I could say because already there was like this sense of intimacy between us yeah that's, that's what I asked him and when I asked that he just said no but when he said no it reverberated it was like it reverberated through the universe it didn't still hurt but with that the light that he'd arrived in blinded me and suddenly when I could see again I knew that I, I was with him and we were flying over this very barren hilly landscape which began to grow greener and there were pockets of green and and then we were outside of the wall of old Jerusalem I now know that that's where we were at the time, it was a moment-by-moment moment unfolding, so we flew over into this courtyard over this crowd of people who were very vitriolic and violent. It was a very violent mob, and it was... I remember that there was this acrid smell around it, and I remember hating them because they were so hateful. And here I was, you know, with... I was in the presence, it was unmistakable, the purity that I was in the presence of, and I felt very protective as <laughs> like a child. And he just said to me, no, don't hate them. And I felt, I didn't feel shame in being corrected, I didn't feel chastised. But I was surprised that he corrected me in that way. Anyway. He put me not to stand, I was just, I was point of consciousness at that stage. I no longer was aware that I had a body and I was just next to this woman. He placed me next to this woman who was in brown and dark indigo, blue colored robes. And she was Palestinian looking, she was older looking. She didn't look anything like the Virgin Mary that I'd been shown in Sunday school. Nothing at all. She was lined and as I was with her, I, I got a download about her life 
She actually worked in the fields. She worked grinding with a mortar and pestle. She worked at a loom. I knew that she'd woven her own clothes. I was shocked at the fine weave of her robe and her scarf. Yeah, and she wore jewellery and she looked like nothing like I expected Mary to look. And I felt all of her sorrow that she was experiencing. I realise now that I was at the point of his condemnation. And he was communicating to me in his way that no, it didn't hurt anymore, but it hurt him that it hurt his mother. And there's something about the way he communicates. It's not as thin as our words are. There's a fullness, it's a showing, it's a teaching, it's a... Over there, it was a communication that is, there's a completeness to it. And yeah, there's just, in one giving of wisdom, there's just so much encapsulated. But anyway, then he brought me back. He brought me back into where we'd been, into the realm and in the heavenly realm and he took me he said come my child and he took me to sit on a rock with him but before that when we returned his glory was just amplified in that amplification he let me know that it was his glory to die for the world and i didn't understand that my 11 year old unspiritual brain didn't understand the extent of what that meant and I said to him all the world and he said yes all the world I said I thought but you know not everyone's had their sacraments and he just laughed in and in him telling me all the world he even communicated to me the concept of compassion for every animal for every human being it wasn't just human beings it was also animals that he loved and it was just this expansive love that I didn't understand had come from you know having just come from our earthly plane yeah it took me to sit on this big black rock and beneath us my legs dangled into space over this rock it was very flat and there was beneath us this nebula and it was forming and expanding and growing. The colours were just otherworldly. And I was just in awe. And I can't remember any words that he said at that time, but I know that it was about his, that he was showing me that he was creating and that he was above creation. And I just was awestruck. I remember communicating, I just want to stay here with you forever. And at that point, he turned around and he turned away from the nebula and he just put his right hand in front of us and the book appeared. And behind this book were all the stars and this book was tilted towards us and there was a front page and there was something written on the first page. But I suspect, I think that it was Beloved, but I'm not sure. Just as he called me to him with the name that I'm not sure that it was my name, Pauline. I think it was a special name. It was a different, he had a different name for me. And um, 
anyway, the, the, whatever was written on that book, I didn't tweak that what the book was about. I just thought he was going to be teaching me a story now. And it was these scenes of these beautiful people and all these scenes of love and it was I was just immersed in that and enjoying the experiential aspect of this story. And then it came to this scene where the main character got into an argument with another beautiful young girl and I realised at that point that it was my life review because I could feel, I recognised the argument, I recognised that it was my dear friend and neighbour Lydia and I felt her pain for the hurtful thing that I'd said, immersed in my own hurt. And I turned around immediately and started to try and make excuses and said to him, I don't know what this world is about. I don't know how to live in this world if I can't defend myself. And it's not right, you don't understand. And he laughed at me. He laughed at me as you would a, a silly child, a naive child who just didn't have the breadth of understanding, even though he just showed me a level of tolerance that he had for those who wished him tortured and dead and condemned him. And I didn't make the connection. and I do now, of course. So he showed me that and I immediately knew he was going to send me back and began to plead with him, please, I just want to stay with you. I don't know how to live properly there. I'm not going to do it right. And I had all of these, presented him with all of these Calamero's sad story about him. <laughs> and he just, he just very gently and kindly and patiently said to me, your life would depend on your focus. You can create whatever you want in your life with your focus. And I found that information incredible. I immediately imagined mansions on the beach and what have you. Those materialistic things, the values of earthly values. Yeah, it's so interesting to look at it now in, with different eyes as an adult. So, yeah, I, I thought that was fantastic, but still it wasn't enough. I still clung to him and just didn't want to be parted from him. There was, that wasn't going to do it. So he said, look here, my child. And he showed me a holographic image of this beautiful young man. And this man, this young man just, but to me, he looked older, but he was older you know, than 18. I was 11, so he just flashed this loving smile. And I knew that he was looking at me. It's just annoying. He was, and I turned to Jesus and I said, is this going to be my husband? He's so handsome. And he didn't say anything. He just smiled. Later on, I recognized that he'd shown me my son. I didn't even imagine that I'd have children as an 11-year-old. I was just concerned with, I was on the cusp of that love and belonging stage. So I was uh, beginning to be interested in partnering up, I guess. And then he showed me myself talking to a large crowd of people. And I said to him, do you want me to share this? Do you want me to go back 
said that I can share this. And I felt very self-important, you know, <laughs> that I was going to come back with this message. And at that moment, he communicated to me also things that would happen with the world, that there was going to be this huge wave of um, spiritual awakening and that he would return and all of these fantastic as John said, if I was to write everything that he showed me and taught me, there wouldn't be enough books or words. He showed me a lot to try and convince me. But what convinced me was, it wasn't so much, I said to him, do you want me to share? And he said, yes, but I knew that that wasn't the main thing. It wasn't with any kind of enthusiasm that, oh yes, you know, that will really serve me. And I said, it looks like a wonderful life that I have in store. And he said, yes. And just for a very brief moment, there was the flash of sadness in his eyes. And um, when I saw that, I was really pained and immediately said, I'll go back, I'll go back. And as soon as I agreed to go back, he just gently pushed me. And I came back into the consciousness of, or the semi-consciousness of my earthly self and awoke to find this dog licking my right temple actually, right where I'd hurt myself and uh, when I opened my eyes and there were just all these faces at me, I didn't recognise anybody, I had complete amnesia but the first thing that I said to everybody and I didn't understand what they were saying talking at me I just, yeah I just immediately said, Jesus is real. I've just been with Jesus. Jesus is real. You've got to believe me. Jesus is real. And they swept me up and took me to my parents, took me to the closest doctor, the closest, the nearest town. And they asked me, tell him everything. <laughs> tell him everything you've told us. So I told him and I remember the word, this is confabulation. This is what happens when someone has a right temporal lobe injury. She has been severely concussed. This is a traumatic brain injury. And uh, all I could hear was that my perception wasn't real. And uh, what I just said was not the truth and my grasp on reality was not reliable so basically I put that away and kind of compartmentalized the experience for over 45 years until 2015 when I had another near-death experience and after that one it was just a brief encounter with negative entities 